In the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we ask you to bless us tonight as we have this opportunity just to uh, look at how you call us to come to know you. And we just pray that you would uh, use this time to inspire us and draw us closer to you. Um, bless our um, discussions, our presentation, or whatever happens here. We just ask that you use all of it to, to give you glory and to help us in our journey of faith. And Mother Mary, we ask your intercession as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. So, uh, thanks for coming. It's good to see you all. Um, I guess what I'm hoping to do tonight is just give a little context of what we are all about as Christians and how we kind of progress through our lives as Christians. Because I think we talk a lot about certain elements of the faith, or we do certain things of the faith. We go to Mass, we go to confession, we go to adoration, we do all these things, but we don't always talk about, like, what is the journey? Like, what is it? Sh what should it look like? What could it look like? Um, and for me, this wasn't something I ever really received until I was in the seminary or something, I think, at some point. But um, I've always been fascinated with just the kind of the, the lay of the land when it comes to the spiritual life and just how, how there's different ways in which different people have, have kind of progressed in their, in their uh, journey with the Lord. And so just to kind of lay it out, it's a little bit, you might say, if you look at these charts, it's like, well, that seems a little scientific or whatever. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's kind of... You kind of put things into categories and so forth, but it gives us kind of a little bit of a landscape or a, you might say a, a map of how to get uh, closer to the Lord. So if we think of the, the church uh, as the sort of the, the exterior of a building, but if you go into the church, there's lots of different rooms or lots of different places where you can be in the church, right? You might, uh, if you think of a home, you might be in the living room or you might be in the dining room or you might be in the kitchen. You might be in the bedroom. There's lots of places where you go, and there might be certain places you like to be as a person. You might say, well, I prefer to have my conversations in the kitchen or at the dining room table or in the, in the parlor or whatever, you know. Um, so I would relate that to the fact that there's lots of different spiritualities within the Catholic Church. There's lots of saints that have kind of championed different ways of, of going to the Lord and coming to know Him, and that's kind of the beauty of our faith, right, that there's so many different ways that people have lived it uh, that are all uh, acceptable in all ways in which, which God calls uh, individuals to follow him. And then some of these ways have become, have become over time kind of a worn path that many have followed after and said, I kind of like that way of going to the Lord. I like that sort of methodology of, of being with the Lord. And so they, they follow in the footsteps of these great saints. So um, this chart here we'll talk about a little bit, but I would say it's kind of my own try self trying to make sense of what other people have written about the spiritual life. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think first to, to start off was, what is the goal of the spiritual life? If we think about um, our journey, if it is a journey, that it's like we're going somewhere, right? We're not just wandering and just, well, we'll just end up where we end up and that's fine. You know, it's like anytime we get in our vehicle, anytime we uh, go for a, a hike or a walk, um, there's at least some idea of where we're going. We might not have a perfect idea, right? Sometimes we're like trying to figure it out exactly how far does this trail go or, you know, where is this person live or, you know, so there's, but there's some sense that I'm trying to get somewhere. I'm trying to do something. I'm, I'm, I have a goal in mind and we should have that same idea when it comes to the spiritual life. Our, our ultimate uh, goal is, is eternal life with God, right? So there's there's something that we look for. And why is that? Well, that's because in our hearts, we, we have this desire for happiness. We have this desire for um, belonging and so forth. St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, in his, he has a whole bunch of writings. One of, one of his uh, well-known writings is the, the Summa. And it's like a big uh, four or five volume of, of different writings on the theology and philosophy and so forth. And he starts the moral treatise or the, the part on the moral life with not like you got to do this, you got to do that, but what's the goal? Because he wants to help us to know like where are we going? Why do, why do we do all the things that we do? Like 
it's great to know the Ten Commandments. It's great to know all the things that we're supposed to do, the precepts of the church, blah, 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 all these things. But why do them all? Like, what's the point, right? So he starts off with beatitude or, or happiness. Like, we're all seeking happiness. And that is why we do all the things that we do as Catholics, because ultimately we're, we're seeking happiness. We're seeking uh, this fulfillment with the Lord. And so I think that's a helpful thing to note, that we don't do the spiritual journey because we're bound to, it's because we're seeking happiness. We're seeking something that our heart wants and desires. And so um, as we go through our lives, even if we start in the wrong place, that's what we're really looking for, right? Is this, this desire to be fulfilled. Um, if you, from the Gospel of John, there's, there's a, one verse uh, in chapter 10, verse 10, that says, The Son of God came into the world that we might have life and have it to the full. And I think that's an important thing to recognize, that God doesn't impose on us different things to just, just to be a meanie head and say, oh, how can I control everybody? Or, or how can I you know, frustrate people? But it, he gives us all these things to do in a way of life to live because he wants us to have a full life. And that's going to look a little bit different for each vocation or each um, experience of life. Each um, journey is a little bit different. And we have our ups and downs but we're all in the end looking for that fullness. Even a person who's not religious, an atheist or a, a different kind of religious person, they too are looking for fullness in their life. They're looking for happiness. They're desiring it. They might go about it in a different way or we might say, well, that's the wrong way from a Christian perspective, but they're still seeking it. They're earnestly looking for it, even if they don't really even know what they're looking for. So there's that common thread that all humanity is kind of on this journey, but there's different ways we might uh, think about it. So let's take a quick look at this little chart. If you want to start on the back side actually with the, the, the lots of little different ideas there. So these are, I would say, different little charts of how people think about life and eternal life or um, you know what, what the goal is, you might say. So if we start at the bottom there with the, uh, the, the little blue boxes are the labels I probably should have made that a little bit more clear, but um, so at the very bottom there, you, the diagram, this is sort of the atheistic understanding of life. Basically, we're born and we die. And that's it, right? So they have a very simple understanding of life. So for them, life is about enjoying this time here because that's all I have to work with. Um, so that makes sense, right? If, if that's your worldview, then you make the most of this life. And, and really, we all try to do that to some degree, but for someone who lives that there's, believe that there's an afterlife, that there's more to the story, right? So there's, there's certain things that uh, kind of come into play then. So if then we go up to uh, diagram D, which is the one on the right, um, in the middle there, you, this would be a, a Christian who has a very simple understanding of salvation. Maybe you've heard of different Christians and how they talk about um, their relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've heard the phrase, have you, have you been saved? Are you saved? Has anybody heard that phrase before? That's a common Thing. I don't hear it as much as maybe, maybe it used to be said, but um, there's this idea of like, I didn't know Jesus, then I committed my life to Christ, I'm saved now, and now I'm good. I don't have to worry about anything. So for them, um, if you look at that thing, there's the pre-conversion area where I'm, um, I'm, I'm saved or I'm not saved. And kind of the idea with these boxes is um, if we draw a line for us uh, you know we might say that there's for below the line we're like living not in not with Christ or apart from Christ we're above the line the middle line here then we're with Christ so for them it's pretty simple you just once you meet Christ you're above the line you're good you don't have to worry about anything you, you commit yourself to Christ and that's it salvation is achieved you have that that certainty so that's kind of nice huh that's a that's an easy uh, way to look at it and wish it were so easy. That, that's not how we look at it as Catholics. Then if we go to diagram C, is, is uh, maybe a Christian who has a little bit more filled out understanding of salvation and so forth. So for them, again, there's that line of conversion. So that, that's an important moment when we are converted to the faith, whether that's through baptism. Uh, every Christian church has a little bit different way that looks maybe. Um, but the idea is, again, I didn't know Christ and there's this idea of original sin affecting me, so we're in original sin. And depending on the Christian church, they might look at that a little bit different. 
and then I've met Christ and now I'm living in Christ. And so there's, there's a sense of, I still have to choose to live in Christ so I can still sin and go away from Christ. So there's, there's that going on. So I, hell is still possibility, but heaven is also a possibility. So as long as I stay living in Christ, um, I'm, I'm in the good, I'm going in the right direction. So that's a pretty uh, simplified stage as well, but it's, it's a little bit more complex than the other two. Then if we go to uh, diagram B there, I would say this is like a, a basic Catholic understanding of, of how this all works, but maybe that lacks an idea of that there's merit and sanctification, which is like things that help us along the way. So for a, a very basic Catholic understanding, this might be where most Catholics understanding of, of this whole dynamic of life and death kind of goes, I would say, is pre-conversion would be like before we're baptized. Once we're baptized, that's our conversion moment. Most Catholics, uh, if they're not a convert, are baptized at a pretty young age. Uh, if you're a convert, then you come into the church um, and you're either baptized as another Christian or you, or, you, or you made a profession of faith, whatever the case may be. But then there's this question of, am I living in a state of grace or am I in a state of mortal sin? So am I in union with Christ or not? So that's like above the line or below the line. And then after death, there's three options that kind of present themselves. There's purgatory, which means I, we have some notion that there's something before heaven, but we don't, a lot of Catholics are kind of like, what's, I know they talk about purifying, but what does it really mean? So we'll talk more about that. And then ultimately that leads to heaven, which is great. And the other option is hell, which we all say, well, let's not go there. Let's not do that. So, um, but there's, I would say there's a lot more to it. And so then let's flip to the other side, which is, I would say, a fuller Catholic theology of the spiritual journey. So here we have uh, different stages, even, you might say, or different kind of ways of looking at this. So if you've ever read um, any like John of the Cross or Chusa Avila, Gergul um, uh, Lagrange would be a more modern guy, who they talk about different stages of the spiritual life. And the idea is we're, we're progressing towards Christ. There's, there's kind of a process. And this, it's not going to be a direct line, you know, that on, the, on, the, on the chart here. It's, it's not like we're going to just like, okay, I'm progressing, progressing, and now I've reached the dark night of the senses. That's wonderful. And then we just, it's more like our path is probably more often than not, you know, there's ups and downs and we go all over the place. That's more typical of, of our lives, right? Is that it's not just a, step-by-step -step progression, but there's a sense there that um, we, we want to keep this awareness of the big picture so that we kind of, not that we can say, I'm right here on the map. I, this is where I am, and I need to keep moving in the right direction, but more just a sense of like, there is a journey, there is a path, and there's certain things that uh, to be aware of. So I think one of the most important things is like the spiritual life is... Uh, there's different stages, and there's different things that help us, but to have that awareness that it matters what I do, right? It matters how I live. Being baptized, living in a state of grace doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going higher in the spiritual realms. Like, you can stay, you can be converted and not live in sin, but you could just stay down here and live your whole life down here, and then when you die, you have a lot of purification that's needed because you still have a lot of attachments to life. You still have a lot of um, things that you're maybe worried about in life that you never let go of. So there's, there's a sense like the higher I go up, the less purification I need because I've been purified in this life. There's, there's already been that sort of progression of, of detachment from things and, and so forth. And I think sometimes that we as Catholics or as Christians, we, we often think of like, if I'm living above the line, I'm great. That's golden and and one sense it's true right if if we die and this is all the further we got great we're going to get to heaven someday but it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a, a process right there's still that process that needs to happen of purification you can either do it now or later you know so this this idea once we die there's there's going to be a purification what that looks like is going to depend on where we ended so there's a it's an important thing to kind of realize like i want to I want to give myself to this journey. I really want to live well, right? I want to keep progressing in my relationship with Jesus and being open to what does he want to do in me? Because purgatory, um, I have a little quote I want to share. It, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not something that we messed up or, or um, that we necessarily uh, 
it, it, it's, it's more of a things that we chose in life that could have been different. So uh, let me just share a quote from Gergo Legrand. He's a famous theologian and, and has written on lots of different things. But here's one thing he says. The dogma of purgatory, so that just means the teaching of purgatory, throws a new light on the present question. Purgatory is a, punish, is a punishment that supposes a sin that could have been avoided and an insufficient satisfaction that could have been complete if we had, be, if we had better accepted the trials of the present life. So he's saying it's not, it's not something that we, like, oh, if only I would have known, I, I could have done better. It's like the things that we knew and we chose not to. Like, you know, it could be the very simple thing, like, there's that guy in the street I could have helped, and I didn't. I, I didn't want to help him because I was selfish in that moment. Well, that, that needs to be purified. And somewhere there's, there's a lack of charity. There's a lack of uh, awareness. You know, uh, I, I could have made amends with my sister or my brother or my parents before they died, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to let go of all the hurts or the things that had happened, and so I didn't. But again, these are choices that we make not things that are accidental that could have gone either way, but we really didn't know, so then we didn't act on them. It's things that we truly knew and said, no, I don't really want to do that. Um, he says, it is certain that no one will be detained in purgatory except for sins that could have, could have been avoided or for negligence in making a reparation for them. Therefore, normally we should, like the saints, undergo our purgatory in this life while meriting. And the idea of meriting is we can merit in this life. So we can, we can always go higher while we're alive, but once, we're, once we die, we're kind of, now, then we start going this way, straight across. So um, that might be a little confusing, but we can talk about that more in a little bit. Um, so the, the idea is we don't, we don't want to wait till after death to kind of be purified because it's going to be worse. You know, it's going to be in the sense of like, we'll be waiting, it'll be like so frustrating, like, oh, I could have, it, what, what would be an analogy like? Uh, you know, if you, if you would have done your homework uh, on Friday night when, when you had a free night, you could have gone on Sunday to the big family party and had a great time with everybody, but instead you had to go and sit in your room and do your homework. And all you did, on Friday night, all you did is like play video games or something. So it was fun in the moment, but when you look back at it, it's like, this is a terrible choice. Like I could have spent all this time with family and friends and had a great time, but I chose to do this like benign thing that it's fun, but it doesn't lead anywhere. So um, that's kind of the, the idea is like purgatory is going to be painful in that sense that we, we, could, be, we could be in heaven. We could be there now and, and we're just not ready yet where our hearts weren't purified yet. And so there's a sense of I want to, I want to be with the Lord and I'm not yet perfectly. And so that's, that's more of a sense, I think, of, of what we're missing out on. Um, so I think maybe you, you could speak to this, but before we, we have a clear understanding of, of the spiritual journey that we're all on, if we, if we went around and asked people like who have already had a conversion experience in their life, who are already trying to move towards Christ, I think we would all look at it and say, there's, there's a time in my life where I sort of naturally was just seeking for myself, just looking for, for fulfillment for myself without really, really paying any attention to what God might be asking me to do or how he's asking me to live. There's been no clear guidance in our life. And so therefore we, um, we kind of get stuck in this place of like just roaming around kind of aimlessly. And it's like life is interesting. There's lots of interesting things. We, we go and we experience something. It's like, oh, this is fun. And then it's like, well, that's, that's over now. What, now, what am I doing next? And we kind of like wander around. And the spiritual journey gives us a focus of like, I'm actually going somewhere. There's actually a purpose to my life. And it's not that every moment is like, okay, I got to do the right thing. Otherwise, I'm going to be in purgatory. I don't want that. But it, it's not that. But it's more like I have a sense that God is, is with me. And I'm not um, just kind of bumping along like a bumper ball. But there's, there's a sort of a, a direction to my life. I think it often happens that we find our, ourselves looking for our own happiness uh, apart from God. And then at some point, hopefully in our lives, we have that moment of clarity where there's an invitation from the Lord, whether it's through a person, something we read, a moment of like sadness or frustration or anger, where we just take a step back from it all and say, what am I doing? What's life about? 
And in that moment, it can be a moment of grace where the Lord steps in and says, I'm calling you to go this way, or I'm telling you to, to live a certain way. And that can be a moment where we really have that first sort of indication of like, wow, I'm really called to something. Like there's, there's a real journey that's opening up before me. I'm starting to see that. And that's a beautiful moment. It's also kind of intimidating because you're like, that's a big mountain to climb. <laughs> I don't have a lot of tools right now to do it. So it can be, a, it can be a, a moment of grace and excitement, but it can also be a little bit like daunting. And I think even for many people, um, when they have that conversion moment, and you're at this point, it doesn't always mean that we're going to start going right up. Sometimes we go down because we're intimidated by the thing or we feel like we're not worthy of it or we feel like, I don't know how to do this. And so we spend time down here or we kind of go back and forth across that line for a lot of years. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not evil. It's just where we are and what our journey looks like. Um, so we, we can, you know, hopefully start to, to have some confidence as we learn more about, like, you know, it's not me just doing it. It's God doing something in me. And when we cooperate with that, like trying to stay in the state of grace, trying to uh, avail ourselves of the different things which God gives us in this life to grow, that'll give us kind of that connection with the Lord that'll help us to be open to these ways in which we can grow. Um, just to explain a little bit more about the, the chart here. So this first stage, if you look at the bottom, there's a small print, the blue bar there with the little different things. So that first stage, um, we might call it the purgative way. That's, that's one of, or the way of beginners is another way of calling it. And that's a time of purification from sort of the worldly things. So general faults there, inexperience. So we don't know what we're really about. Lack of generosity, just because we're still sort of focused on ourselves. Um, distractions, there's a lot of distractions in life. Discouragement, right? It's easy to be discouraged when you, again, you look at the mountain, you're like, Oh, that's so difficult. Why don't I go do this thing? It seems a lot easier, a little easier path. Um, we seek personal advantages. Uh, lives are too much about my feelings. So we don't allow our intellect to guide us, but rather our feelings tell us everything that we do is just motivated by what I feel in the moment. So we, we can't get over that or we can't get past that. Our emotions are good, but um, we don't want to get stuck in them to guide us. Um, we have a theoretical or an abstract faith. So... I've had this experience. You read like theology or philosophy or an inspirational thing. Or you watch a movie that's inspirational and you're like, wow, this is really cool. I want to be like that. I want to follow Jesus that way. And it's in that moment, it's like, ah, oh, this is great. But then, uh, you know, it's, it's a theoretical thing. It's not a lived experience of like, I'm progressing. It's just like, I, I have a desire, but I don't know any way to get there. I don't know how to make that happen in my life. And that can be a frustrating or discouraging moment, right? So, um, so these are things that we can struggle with. Um, so the chief characteristics in this stage is in this, we're, we're in the state of grace most of the time, so we're striving for it. So typically these people are, are trying to you know, go to confession regularly. We are sorrow for our past sins, you know, especially if we had a, a difficult past or maybe we were converted and then we went down for a while and then we came back up. So there can be a time of kind of um, looking back and saying, ooh, that's some rough stuff that I really didn't do too well. And there, there can be a lot of shame there or a lot of brokenness there, but hopefully that period is also a time of like recognizing, but I don't have to worry about that because God's grace is always there for me. I can, I can uh, progress. So we sorrow for our past sins. We have to fight temptation to go back into sin. You know, it's, it's, it's a, that time of kind of real struggle for us. So that time of the purgative way is a time of kind of preparing the ground, you might say. It's like the Lord is like getting in there and like pulling up the weeds and like just stirring up the ground so that he can plant the gospel, the seed of the gospel, and it has a place to rest and can grow in us. So this is a, this is a difficult time uh, for most people because it's, there's, it's a big swings, right? We're, we're in one moment, we're like totally on board and like, I'm going to follow the Lord. In another moment, we're like, this is really difficult. I can't follow the Lord. I, I, I really suck at this. I'm, I'm terrible at Christianity. And so it's like this pr process of like really ups and downs, which is it's difficult, right? Uh, when those waves get a little 
more calmed down, it's a little bit easier to kind of see where we are. It's less discombobulating when we're kind of going all over the place. Um, and there's no, there's no like clear like age or time or whatever. Everybody's path is a little bit different, but we can give these sort of general uh, senses. So at some point, we go through the dark night of the senses, and that sounds like a big scary term, but basically it just means we go through a detachment of worldly things. So we become less drawn to get distracted by worldly things, whether there's money or pleasure or power or whatever it is that we're, that we're drawn to as human beings. We all have things that we're drawn to. Um, those become less controlling in our life, and we become more controlled by our desire for Christ. And that, that order is kind of brought into our lives, and at some point we can say, okay, I'm, I'm really giving myself to the Lord, and that's my priority. And when that starts to happen, and our intellect kind of takes control over our emotions and our passions, we can start to progress uh, towards the Lord. So that's really what's happening in that first stage. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So I would imagine for most Catholics, we stay there most of the time. Like that's, that's where a lot of Catholics live, a lot of Christians live. It's kind of in that stage of like going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And Again, it's not a bad place to be. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's, a, it's a natural thing. But the idea is like, there's more, right? And it's kind of one of those things like, there's, you don't want to tell people like, there's more, you idiot. You're really bad. You need to progress. It's more like, don't you want more? Like, there's more possibilities here. There's, there's greater things. Like, um, when we've experienced something beautiful in our life, uh, something wonderful, whether it's you know your wedding day or your ordination day or the day you graduate or the day you get that job that you always wanted or bought your new home or like we have these moments in, in life where it's like a beautiful moment and it's really exciting um, and in that moment you know sometimes there's a sense of like is that all there is is that is that it and it can be a little like it's a, it can be a moment of like oh that's all there is. You know, like you, you see the guys who win the Super Bowl or whatever, and they interview them, they're, and they're so excited. They won the Super Bowl, but then what do they say? Like, and we're going to do it again next year. It's like, you know, you just won the thing, and you're already looking to the next thing. You can't even, like, bask in this glory for more than a few minutes. So that's kind of our experience is, like, the Lord wants us to say, but there's more. Like, there's more to be had. Like, I want to help you be aware of this greater glory that's possible for you. And so it's not a shaming or a, or a kind of like beating down to say like, come on, progress, you idiots. Like, keep going. You're, you're, you're slow. You're bad. You're, you're bad at this. But he's saying, there's more. I want to share more with you. And I think sometimes, um, I know for, for myself, sometimes I, I kind of have the whiplash a little bit. Like, come on, people. Like, let's keep progressing. And I have to be a little bit more cognizant of like, even looking at my own heart and saying, but it's not easy. It's not an easy thing just to like go straight up. Like most of us, it's a difficult thing. So that second stage, the illuminative way, if we look at the green bar there down below. So here we're, we're kind of um, making some progress, the general faults, uh, subtle pride. So sometimes that can be a problem when we get into this, this stage is we kind of realize like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm not in the purgative stage anywhere. I'm, I'm, I'm making my way. Look at me up on top here. And we can start to have that sort of subtle pride. Um, we can be focused on seeking consolation. So, you know, this might be a, a thing you're aware of and can put vo uh, words to in your life or not. But there are moments in prayer when we feel consoled. In prayer we, or in mass or whatever. We're, we have a moment of consolation where I feel close to the Lord. And that is totally from the Lord. We can't create that. If, if we have those moments, it comes from the Lord. It's not something we can just manufacture. Um, and oftentimes, in this period of our lives, and even in this period of lives, the Lord gives us these consolations to draw us to Him so that we go to prayer, so that we seek Him out. But eventually, at some point, He starts to pull that away a little bit and say, do you still want to follow me even if you don't have this experience? And prayer can be really dry or really like, boring or really like I don't experience anything emotionally or that I used to experience and we can feel frustrated by that but that's basically the Lord saying I'm calling you to go deeper to go beyond just the consolation 
We can be sluggish in the ways of God, detracted, uh, distracted and dissipated, um, obstinate and stubborn on our viewpoints. So you can think of, you know, there are many Catholics who are very strong Catholics. Uh, they've, they've gone through this where they've kind of been purified of the basic things. They're heading in the right, right direction. But at this stage, they can become sort of obstinate in a hard-hearted way. And I would say that sometimes I can be like this where you, you look at everybody else and say, come on, people, like, get with the program. Like, be pro-life and be, like, really Catholic. And why do, you, why do you guys, you big slugs, like, come on, let's go, let's go. And there can be this sort of feeling of um, we, we, we feel like because we have progressed to a certain point, like, everybody else should be at the same stage as us. And we can get a little frustrated with other people and say, what's wrong with you? Like, don't you get it? And um, so we have to recognize, again, there's, there's a new kind of thing that the Lord wants to do in us, and that's to give us charity and help us to, like, not, not beat people down or use our knowledge or the gifts that God has given to us to beat others up. Like, the only reason I'm where I am here is because God has done it in me, right? It's not like I've done it. I've cooperated with God's grace, but it's God that's done it in me. So to look at it and say, well, you guys are, are really bad and I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of you or you're a bad Catholic. I mean, you know, we could look at somebody like our president right now and say, isn't it horrible, like the things he does? And yes, on a certain level, but on a, in another way, it's like, who am I to judge? Like, only by God's grace am I where, am where I am. And we pray for conversion of our brothers and sisters who are at different places um, but we also recognize God has got to do something in me. If that's my, if my response to somebody is like not charitable, not kind, not not uh, compassionate, um, then maybe that I need to be open to God is wanting to do something in me. So vanity, uh, jealousy, blah, blah blah, a bunch of things there. So the focus here is imitating Christ. So it's like Christ is taking us and trying to draw us to Himself and help us be more like Him. Um, so there's, there's a sense in what he's, he's doing something different than here. Here it's like purging us from the world. Now it's more like helping us to be more like him. And it can be a little bit discombobulating for a Christian when we go into the next phase because in the, in the purgative phase, we're kind of focused on like separating ourselves from the world. And it can feel really good like when we start to see some success there. But at a certain point, it's like God wants to do something else in us. And it's kind of like going from junior high where you're at the top of the class and you, you know the school building and then you go to the high school and you're like, oh, we're the small kids on the block now. We're, we're, the, we're the new kids in school and we don't know what's going on and we don't, you know, don't know how it's going. So we kind of operate here as if we're still down here, but it, the, 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 uh, the terrain has changed in a sense. And so we need to readapt and say, okay, the Lord, you're, you're doing something different in me now. You're drawing me in a different way. And so we have to respond in a different way. So, that's a beautiful thing when we get to that point. And again, it's not a straight line. Like you can go, you can go in and out of these things, but there's this sense there where, where God is doing something in us. That last stage, so there's that, the second line there, the dark night of the, the spirit. Um, this is a, a place where the Lord is detaching us from even spiritual consolations or spiritual um, Things that we are, we are, we've been purified, even of this sort of self-centeredness or this pride or whatever. And now God wants to do something even more in us. Um, so now we're not just imitating Christ, but we're being united to Christ, and that's the way of perfection or the uh, the unitive way. So now we're more deliberate, uh, you know, in our in our choices and so forth. We're able to avoid many sins, avoid imperfections, even our desire to suffer even for God. In some of the great saints, we see that, that they're, they're even desiring, Lord, help me. I want to take on suffering for the sake of others or so that I can get closer to you, which for most people is like, eh, I don't want to do that. I really have no desire to suffer. You know, avoid it at all costs. But at that stage, if you get to that stage, there's, there can be this awareness of like, but if it's for greater good, I'm willing to do it. Just like Christ on the cross, like he was willing and he desired to suffer for us for our salvation. And so like like Christ, we can be united to him and start to even have that kind of desire, which is, I'm definitely not there yet. So I can say, I don't know how to do that, but there's a way in which God can do that in us. It can be a heroic charity. 
service of others, love of our enemies, which if you think about that, that's very difficult to do. Detachment from all things, persons even, and abandonment to God. So the way that the, the unitive way is is a, uh, it's a pretty high standard, and I think I think if you think about Catholics and what we generally think of, I think most of us think like the norm is to live down here, and this is where we're all called to be. But once in a while, there's a saint, and they are way up here, and that's kind of our idea. Is, that is a saint. They're up there. I'm down here, and that's just the way it is. I, there's, that's, not, that's not an option for me. But the reality is, anybody can make this journey. It's available to all of us. And the question is, do I give myself to the Lord? Do I avail myself of the graces that he wants to share with me so that I can progress along this path? Because again, this is all things that Christ does in us that gives us to draw up, up that way. So it's not uh, so much that we do it, but we cooperate with God and he does it in us. And it's kind of a mystery of how that comes together. Any questions about this whole concept or this chart or the ideas there? Does it make sense? How do you figure out where you're at? I, I, th- I think partly you can look on, on the, the, the little descriptions there and kind of try to figure out like where am I on that? And, and again, it's not so important that we say, where am I at? Am I, I, it's nice to know if you're below the line or above the line. That's, that's usually pretty straightforward. Um, but then up in this area, it's kind of, it's not so important to know exactly where I am and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go another millimeter up on the, the chart here. It's more important to recognize that there is a journey, right? That there is a direction. Well, well, and if you see those things in yourself, you can say, "I'm not there yet." You know, uh, and and the, well, yes and no. Like it's not a, it's not a like, like let's go out and beat our breasts and say we're terrible people, we're bad. Like yes, but no. Like it's not. God doesn't want us to to uh, to be like groveling little servants or something. He wants us to be fully who we are. Uh, but purified of the things that keep us from being fully who we are. And so it's a purification that happens in the sense of like, it's straining out all those little things that kind of stick on us because of life and the circumstances that we go through. Like when we experience sin in our life, it does something to us. It changes us. It, it uh, distorts our vision of ourselves. And so God is trying to help us to say, that's not really who you are. Like, I, I want to remove that so you can better see who you are, who, who I'm calling you to be. Closer to it, yeah. If you, if you, so I wouldn't imagine that a lot of you have read like St. Teresa of Avila and John Lacoste, these big mystics, or, or even, um, you know, somebody has like visions and stuff like Sister Faustina or somebody like that. But when you read their writings, a lot of times my sense is like, that is not my experience, you know. And so you can say, they're at a different place. They've experienced a different kind of union with the Lord. Um, and that's great. And so they are kind of trail guides for us because they, they their writings help us to say, okay, there's something here to learn. You know, there's a way in which they've done this. Um, and that's helpful. But at the end of the day, it's not so important to say, where am I on the, on the chart? It's just to re- recognize, like, there is a chart. There is a call to always go deeper. Like, if that's... If that's all we knew is that there's always more and we never were satisfied and just to kind of say, well, I'm, I'm not a bad person. I'm not in a state of sin. Isn't that good enough? Because like, that's the temptation, right? Is to say, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Like, I go to church. I, I pray. The, the orange box? Yeah, so the, the boxes don't necessarily... Uh, the boxes down here don't necessarily correspond to the, this way. It's more there. So kind of going up, I would say. So these are just the descriptions of these different stages, if that makes sense. Father, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Where do plenary indulgences come in? Yeah. Or you might even just ask, where do all indulgences come in? Well, but the plenary, so... Yeah, it's a full, 
Full remission. Full remission. So if you're in that, you would avoid. You avoid purgatory, yeah. Right. So that's the beauty of it. Of an, uh, but it's not, it's not, you know. I mean, we're operative. Yes. So plenary indulgence, if you don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a full remission of any purification that we need. So that's the promise, like the church gives. Like if we, if we do this little act of work, um, this little thing that, that the church attaches to it, then we can offer that for ourselves or for someone else. You know, there's someone that's in purgatory. So maybe we have a, a spouse or a friend or somebody that's died. We can, we can do something and offer that indulgence for them. The challenge is, the challenge is, probably unless we're up here somewhere in the spiritual life, it's not really a plenary indulgence. It's a partial indulgence, which is still good. It's still worth doing. But to be a plenary indulgence, we have to be, have a perfect detachment from sin, which for most of us probably isn't the case, right? There's still things that, I still struggle with that, you know, or I still have an attachment there. And again, it's not like the church is trying to dangle the carrot and say, you're never going to get that thing. It's, it's, more, it's, it's more like an invitation to strive for the heights, you know. So indulgences, we don't talk about them a lot these days, but there are certain ones that we often talk about, which would be like the Divine Mercy Sunday is often one that we talk about because it's so awesome. It's like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Um, so those are, those are helpful things. Um, but again, the, they don't necessarily, why the church attaches a work to it is because she wants us to kind of, to do something to progress in the spiritual life. And she wants to kind of award us. It's kind of like potty training. Like if you go on the little toilet there, I'll give you a treat, you know? So it's kind of a sense of like trying to help motivate us to do a good thing. Like, because we don't want to change diapers all. I mean, you could live in diapers your whole life, kid, but you know, once you get out of those things, it's going to be way awesomer. Like you will like it. I know right now you just want to go in that thing, but you know, so it's kind of a motivation to help us uh, get past these barriers or struggles. So, but it's a it's a good thing. Uh, indulgences are a good thing, a way to help us uh, ourselves or other people. Um, receive what we need to be purified, which is a great work. You know, it's a great work that we can offer on behalf of our brothers and sisters who are in this place. So, other questions? Well, one of the things when I look at that diagram, it, it suggests the passage of time from left to right. Mm -hmm. And then I would wonder at the moment of death, does time cease to exist for us? So when you mentioned the process of purgatory, mm -hmm. um, it, it conjures up an understanding that it takes a certain amount of time. Yeah. And yet, I don't know if I should understand it that way or... Um, yeah, yeah the, the church used to talk about purgatory as time, like even indulgences are kind of rated by like days and years, like, oh, you get 500 days off of purgatory for this act. Or, and the whole idea was when we die, yes, we're outside of time in some sense, but there's got to be a way to kind of look at how do we, what does that purification look like? Is it going to be like time in a sense? It must be, right? There's, there's a way in which we're outside of time. We're not measuring time in an earthly way, but there's a way in which I'm not there with Christ yet. And it's not instantaneous. So like it has to be, so, so in some sense, time ceases ultimately when we get to heaven, right? There's no more like waiting, like, cause that, that's ultimately what this is. Like I'm waiting to be with you, Lord. I'm waiting to be with the, the bridegroom. And I'm not there yet. Um, so the true time, I would say, is here. But purgatory, there has to be some way of like organizing. Like I'm here and I'm trying to get there. But once we get to heaven, it's just okay. Well, instantaneous would still suggest time. I mean, one way that, that conjures up that there's no time, right? Instantaneous, but that still reflects time. Right. Um, it's a hard thing to understand. It, it is. We are either outside of time or in time. Yeah. And so I, I understand from a it's the best, understanding I think it's, of it to yes. think about it, but it, I think it's the best we can do is to use our concept of time to try to try to give some order to it. Yeah. But what is it actually going to look like? Yeah. We don't really know. Like we have indications, but yeah. um, when sometimes even on a human level. Some of the most painful moments, either physically, can last. They, they seem like they're outside of time. Too. Yeah, they, they last longer. They last a long time. Yeah.
My yeah. mom used to say, convert this person, this Methodist over here, <laughs> you're going to gain that much time off purgatory. How many people actually go to heaven right off the bat? Yeah, that's what I like to know. I don't think there's very many because you have to be perfect, isn't that right? Well, you, you, there's, there's no imperfection in heaven, so yeah, you have to be Jesus perfect. Jesus and Mother Mary are the only two people that made it. Well, we don't know. That I, that I. Well, then, where, where do the saints come in? Don't they right away? Don't they? Experience? Not necessarily. No, they don't. To be a saint is just to be in heaven, right? So, if you're up here, you're a saint. If you're here, you're on your way to being a saint. If you're here, you're potentially on your way to being a saint. Well, if you made it to purgatory, you're on your way. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for me. <laughs> so, November, November 1st, we celebrate All Saints Day. Hopefully someday that'll be our feast day, all of us. Even if we're not canonized, that'll be our, that'll be our feast day. And, and so, it's kind of a, an exciting day because it's like, hey, even the schmucks who are like way down on the totem pole, like, we get a day. Like, there's a day for us, you know. So, there's a, there's a real sense in which... Um, we don't. Those are, those are things we can't answer. It's up to God, right? And that's. It's not so important to say, who am I, who am I above over there? Like, who am I doing better than? And so, that's such a temptation, isn't it? Like, we all look around and say, Haha, I'm doing way better than you. But then we look over here and it's like, oh, man, she's way above me. You know? So, but there. It, again, it's not so important to, to try to figure that out. It's. It's ultimately about a relationship with Jesus, and to have that relationship with with the Lord is our whole goal all of these things are just us trying to figure out how do we map it out so that we in a sense to know these things is helpful because then we when we experience these discouragements we experience this purgative experience in our life or this illuminative thing in our life we don't kind of lose our way and say what is going on or what what am I supposed to be doing right now or why do I feel these things or how, is this just my experience? Or is this all of us experiencing this? So to have a kind of roadmap is helpful in that sense. At least I, I have found it to be so in my life. Because when we're facing discouragement or frustration or we kind of feel a little bit lost, those are the moments when it's easy to kind of give up or kind of say, I don't really know about all this. You know, So it can be a moment where we're struggling. And in those moments, it's nice to just go back to the map and say, okay, I know... There's, yes, these are my experiences. This is kind of what I'm feeling. Okay, I'm somewhere down here. I'm somewhere up here or whatever. And to kind of just have that certainty of, um, I'm still called to keep going deeper. The Lord has more for me. So when, so when it almost looks like we are, we have had life in order to build ourselves up. What about these young kids that, they must automatically go to the lower end of purgatory. Well, yeah, that's why it's not a perfect thing. When when somebody dies unexpectedly or through some circumstances they couldn't control, like, you know, you think of, you know, I was reading a, a thing or watching something on uh, World War One. All those people that died in the wars or whatever, who died at a very young age, who didn't have the chance to grow at all. And through the circumstances of their lives, really didn't have those opportunities. But again, going back to that quote from Gergul Lagrange, we're only going to be held responsible for those things that we could have done differently. So, you know, if, if I have a short life, whether it's a few minutes or a hundred years, uh, however long my life is, there's ways in which I can grow closer to the Lord. Um, so, God works that all out. We... We have, again, we have the map to help us kind of help us who are on this journey. But when someone dies unexpectedly or at a young age, like, we put it in God's hands because we can't figure that out, right? We, ha we don't have a way to say, where do they land? Do they, did they land in purgatory because they had certain things? Or did they just go straight to heaven because they were so disadvantaged in life and, and God just has mercy on them? We don't know, right? We, yeah. Well, everybody's supposed to be judged at the very end. They don't get judged in between, do they? Right. So, but in a sense, when we're in heaven or when we die, like there's a particular judgment and then there's the final judgment. And 
Well, that's what I es eschatology gets a little interesting when you start trying to fit. How does that all fit? Like the question about time and so forth. Well, we can't just say God is a forgiving God. We're going to go there regardless. Right. But it, but he is a merciful God, and so he takes into account our circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. So if, and intentions. And intentions. But if we if we if we had the best intentions, but we never acted on them, and we had our whole life to act on them, like you know, and we just said, well. I had great intentions, but I just never did anything. Like that's gonna that's gonna be something that's gonna count against us. Whereas if I am a young person, I really didn't have any guidance in my life. Didn't really have any uh, people that helped me along the way. Like he's gonna take that into account too. So that's that's why this is only somewhat helpful. It's a helpful th tool because it gives us who are aware a better knowledge of like where. Is all this going? But it's there's limits to it because God is so so much greater than what we can really encompass in a particular chart or whatever. So, um, but it's a good question, and it's I would say that's the speculative speculative theology, which means we're thinking about what could be, but we really don't know. And so a lot of people have thought about that and thought long and hard about it, and they've come up with different ways of trying to explain it. But in the end. Christ only gives us what we need for salvation. He doesn't give us what we want to know. Like, that'll be in heaven when we, we all will be revealed. So, these are good questions, so. Anything else? Father? Yeah? Is when you ask for a mass for a soul, is that the same with, like, the indulgences? Similar. And you're just having these masses, this beautiful prayer for that soul. Mm-hmm. That you think is in purgatory, yep. and you just don't know. Right. So that's the idea behind offering masses for the deceased. Is they're here, they need some help. Let's let's offer the, a mass for them. So it's a way of helping that person, giving them graces. What whatever their disposition, wherever they are here, it's going to be applied to them. And if it's not applied to them, it it'll just be in, applied to the the church as a whole. Like there's there's a way in which all that grace is not going to be wasted. Right. So it's. It's uh, it's a, the greatest prayer we have on this side of heaven to offer for someone else, whether they're alive or dead. So, so where do you think the unborn go? Where do I think they go? I think they go to heaven. Straight to heaven. I don't, I don't know exactly, but... <laughs> but that's just my opinion. I think that's a good answer. <laughs> that's just my opinion, though. It's not... Well, church teaching says... You got a better opinion than I got. <laughs> <laughs> church, church teaching says that we're all judged according to our life, and I look at, like, well, what is there to judge? You know, especially if they're aborted or stillborn or whatever. Like, what is a? It's a. It's a living person, and never had any op options. You know, so. That's that's my opinion. I I think. So when we run into people like that, are we supposed to just sit quiet and listen? People like what? Well, this. I was at a restaurant one day, and this woman was talking about my body, my choice, and all this. Uh -huh. And I kind of went out a little bit, and she left. <laughs> <laughs> now, should I have just been quiet and sat there and listened to that crap? Well. It's a question. You have to. You have to. You have to make a judgment on what's helpful for them. Yeah. So sometimes confronting someone is the right thing to do because it helps them. It's going to stick with them and help. I mean, if all they ever hear is like, "Yeah, you're right. You know, abortion is fine." If that's all they ever hear, and they're never challenged on that, they're never going to think about it, uh, unless God prompts something in them. But sometimes when someone helps them and they do it in a charitable way, well, that's the tricky part. That's the tricky part, right? That's where the rubber meets the road because we, we want to sometimes in, in those moments we're more intent on changing their mind or telling them they're wrong or whatever than loving them. To love them, I mean, this goes for all things, whether you're talking about any hot-button issue, whether it's abortion or gay marriage or... The transgender stuff, or all these—all these people are people, and we are—our call is to love them, 
um, but to also sometimes confront them. And sometimes it's very difficult. How do I do both of those things? Well, you know. I would have helped her, but, but I wasn't going to listen to that. Yeah. Well, you have your own way, Roger. <laughs> It's not always clear. What is what is clear is life. All life is sacred, and it's never our should never be our prerogative to choose. But you can see why people are uncertain about this, or where they struggle with it, because they have a real life experience that has formed them. You know, um, most people aren't pro-choice because they just want to kill babies. It's, I mean, they're. There's people that are saying that now, but I think it's more rhetoric than what they truly, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a pretty hard thing to, to say that. But I think at the end of the day, our call as Christians is to love these people. And how do we do it? How do we challenge them in a loving way? Sometimes it is to be confrontational in a sense, but we can't lose sight of my call is to love this person. And sometimes that is not easy. And we're going to make mistakes with that. Like, there are times when we go too far one way or the other. Like we're too lenient and we say, I'm not going to get in there and say anything. Or we're too harsh and we come off as like just mean. And instead of helping that person, we turn them away further. Um, so it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but that's where we have to, that's where the whole connection with God is so important. Because if we're, if we're allowing the Lord to speak to us and through us, he will give us the right way of approaching them, right? So someone who's, up here in the spiritual life is going to approach that person in such a way that they feel loved. For down here, we might give it our best shot, but we might screw up a lot of times. So, I would rather die than to take the Well, that's, that's good. But that's not where everybody's at. And so what do you do with someone who's not in that place? It's, it's, it's a challenge, right? And that's why we can't, we, it's not up to us to convert them or to change their heart. That's God's prerogative. And he's the one that has to, uh, to do something. I mean, if you look at the martyrs, right? What's so beautiful about the martyrs is that they chose to give up their life rather than deny Christ. Uh, but if someone would, if a Christian would have come, come along and said, you evil people, like you would, you would rather give up Christ than uh, then you gain this earthly pleasure. Like that's not going to really motivate them to, to do it in that moment. It's either in you or not. So for these people who are struggling with it, they either have an understanding of what God is calling them to do or they don't. And um, it's a journey sometimes for us to get See, there. I would have a tough time persecuting somebody that was in a position like you're talking about, but this particular woman was not. Yeah, was yeah. What yeah. I want to say is that we don't know. We yeah. don't know what's happened to her. Well, she should keep her mouth shut. Then. Well, she like she's saying those. You shouldn't be sitting there trying to tell everybody else what they should do. Well, isn't that what we're doing? No, she would say I'm that. Not. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying you to say give she the was choice. Back to the child. The yeah. child doesn't have the choice. There's a lot of people that are mentally ill or or deformed or whatever, and they're ask one of them if they want to be dead, if they would have rather had somebody terminate them. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're right at 8 o'clock. These are great things to speculate on. And I think 
it just shows the complexity of life, right? When you run into these kind of issues, this is very clear when you look at it in the laboratory and say, here's how it goes and so forth. But then it's like, how do I apply that to my life? And that's where the rubber really meets the road. And so this is a good thing because it helps us to kind of wrestle and try to work at it. But ultimately, we're all on our own spiritual journey. And everybody's at a different place, different experiences. And we have to walk that line ourselves and just follow where the Lord leads us. So, um, so just to, to double check, I want to check the time. So next month, I think I was planning, yes. Next month we'll meet October 27th, which is the last Thursday of the month. That's the next one. And we'll, yeah, it'll be in the bulletin. Same time? Same time, same place. Wasn't it? Was it time in the bulletin? I don't think so. You mentioned it. Okay. It was the first time. So let's let's close with the prayer and then. Yeah. <laughs> Name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.